White Chicks in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hi, and welcome back to another Two White Chicks in China. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> that was a nice introduction. Thank you, thank you. I've been practicing <laughs> <laughs> with all that time off. I, I, I hope so. That's right. That's all I had to do is uh, think about <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> no, I've been. It's been really nice to be back, and thanks everybody who has given us some shoutouts、mm-hmm. on Facebook and otherwise. And do we have some comments this week? Yeah, we do. Which are basically along those lines from Kirsten, and she says, "I'm so happy you're back.、Uh, I can't wait to watch those these movies because I also find that I don't get much." Out of popular Chinese cinema, so、uh, hopefully you guys listened to last week, which was episode thirty-two, and we talked about movies in cinema.、Uh, she says another film I found that I really enjoyed was Journey Journey to the West, which, although is an over-the-top slapstick, is a really nice story. Plus, you can find it on Netflix. Oh, nice one!、Uh, yeah, so if you want to listen to our last week's episode,、um, it was episode thirty-two. Um, you can find it on writtenchinese.com/episode32. Nice, nice.、Yeah. Ta-da! <laughs> oh, and we keep promising to give you guys some free stuff. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. let's—I、uh, won't make you wait till the end of、oh, the、really? show. Yeah, I don't want to make them wait、okay. all the way to the end of the show. But we'll see. Yeah, I know, but then the they、end. might leave. <laughs> if we know, if we、yeah. rush off, yeah, they might be like, "Oh, wait! Now I've got the free stuff. I'm just gonna leave." <laughs> No, they're listening、right. to hear the awesome stuff we had to say, right? <laughs>、um, so we arranged a coupon code for you guys.、Um, we're only announcing it here on the show, and it's two white chicks. So that's how you write in the coupon. It's all one word, spelling two T W O. Spell it out. So two white chicks. So if you have the free WCC dictionary app, which is easy to get for iOS or Android. Um, you can plug in that coupon code on the web, and it will unlock a free set of、um, three different flashcard packs of dating words.、Mm-hmm. So、nice. words like Playboy. There's some funny ones. Yeah, yeah. There's some pretty good <laughs> vocabulary words in there that you don't want to miss. So check it out. So use the coupon code Two White Chicks.、Mm-hmm. The, we'll put the instructions for how to redeem the code. It's a little bit tedious. We're still working on the process, but you basically redeem it online, and then it unlocks the the flashcard sets in your app.、Yeah. So both iOS and Android, it'll work for both.、Mm-hmm. So it's not that complicated. It's not. It's it not. won't take you very long. No, no, no. Some people get scared, though. <laughs> But yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. So you have a bunch of dating words then to play around with and learn, and even just to tease your Chinese friends with. <laughs> yeah. If you're not learning Chinese seriously, it'll be fun. <laughs> Or even if you are. That's right. I've learned some new words. So I just want to get that out of the way before we forget, and I'll try to remember to say it again at the end in、Definitely. case you、we'll、are, yeah, out and about on the go、mm-hmm. and multitasking. You productive people, yeah, you. I bet. <laughs> I'll say it again at the end. But two white chicks is the coupon code. It's pretty easy to remember. Cool. So do we、That's、have some、exciting. news? Yeah, we do. 
So there's been plenty going on this week and I, I had to choose between quite a few. I found, I literally had like about five on my desktop and I was like, oh, which one do I choose? <laughs> so this one comes from actually a different sauce. I, well, you, we, I usually tend to use the same sauce because the stories are so bizarre. This one comes from The Guardian and the, the headline is great. Chinese men urged to don donate spam to earn money for the new iPhone 6S. Oh, no. <laughs> this is new. Like, I haven't come across this story anywhere, oh, actually. No. I'm amazed that it's just on The Guardian. Maybe it hasn't been picked up yet. Anyway. Is the iPhone 6S still new? Isn't it only just? I thought... I oh, the S. S, yeah, S. Oh, Wasn't yeah. it last week when Apple did that massive push of, oh, like, all right. their new products with an yeah. S? You're right. You're right. <laughs> Okay. Proceed, so, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so this is weird and I can't even believe this is ethic, like ethical. It probably isn't. It's not. It's not. <laughs> All right, fine. So Chinese men are being encouraged to donate sperm in order to earn enough money to buy the latest iPhone, according to reports. The adverts from sperm banks in several provinces, including <laughs> Shanghai, Hubei and Jiangsu, have been taking social media by storm this week. No need to sell a kidney. Shanghai Sperm Bank can make your iPhone 6S dream come true, <laughs> says one ad from the Shanghai Sperm Bank, which has been widely circulated online. Now, there were no pictures on the on the article, but I'm going to ask Chamson, our colleague, if she can maybe find a picture, because I think it'll be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the reference to selling kidneys has become synonymous with Apple enthusiasts ever since a 17-year-old student from, this is insane, from Hunan sold one of his kidneys on the black market for 22,000 yuan, which is, this is in pounds, so 2,224 pounds in 2011 to buy an iPhone and iPad. He must have gotten, had some change out of that as well. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Maybe he's saving up to buy an i uh, iWatch. <laughs> Several reports of people trying to sell their kidneys to buy Apple products have emerged lately, with one man even going missing following a failed organ sale. Sperm oh. banks are hoping the pitch, which comes ahead of the release of the iPhone 6S on the 25th of September, oh, so it's this week, I guess, in China, mm -hmm. um, will help fix a shortage in donors. The Shanghai Sperm <laughs> Bank is promising. This is decent. Actually, if I could give sperm, I would do it. <laughs> it's promising 6,000. Would you? <laughs> would you, though? I don't know. Those are going to be your kids. Well, not the one people. There'll be some. Yeah, you might them meet them else. down the line. And well, what's more important? Your kids are an iPhone. <laughs> okay, Get your priorities right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, Shanghai Sperm Bank is promising 6,000 yuan for 17 milliliters. That sounds mm, like quite a lot, actually. That is quite, that's quite is a it? lot. I'm trying to think. I don't, don't want to think, actually. Uh, <laughs> 17 milliliters of semen for those who qualify to donate. Donors need to be university educated, disease free, and over five foot five. I knew height was going to be a factor. I yeah, knew it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet there's a lot of people... Uh, with fake degrees, diplomas, and mm -hmm. fake. And high shoes. High <laughs> shoes. Straining to ma make yeah. the mark. Oh, God. This is going to make me really suspicious of anyone with an iPhone 6S, said one user on Weibo. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, I hope it's real. Need, no need to give away a kidney for any Apple products now, wrote another. <laughs> According to a spokesman with the Shanghai Sperm Bank, the campaign has worked well so far, raising awareness and attracting potential donors. The state news agency Xinhua reported. This wow. Is so this is out in the open. This is yeah. some... Yeah. A poll conducted on Sina Weibo, Weibo shows that Chinese social media users are split on the appropriateness of the campaign, hmm. with close to 20% calling it unseemly, <laughs> as if that's the word you would use, and another 27% saying they will donate immediately. <laughs> I need the address to Hubei Sperm Bank now, please, said one user. Oh my goodness gracious. It says, though, Social media users are split, but 20% and 27% is not a split. What do the other percent I guess the other ones feel? Didn't Just vote. anything? I don't know. Anyway. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just like, okay, this wins. <laughs> Thank you, Guardian. I mean, what a way to motivate. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, um, I'm, I'm curious, I, I mean, to know how many people are actually going to spam banks these days in China. I'm I also didn't really curious think it was about that, that. Like, I didn't really realize it was that popular. <laughs> right, I didn't realize that either. I mean, because of the one-child policy, usually, um, and also because, I don't know if it's still the law, but I've heard that it's, maybe it varies by province or city, but mm. I've heard that it's illegal to have a child without being married. Right. And I've since yeah. heard conflicting, I've heard and both read and heard conflicting argument. I mean, mm. people who have said this is true and people who have said this is not true. Yeah. But if you are married, I guess, yeah, I mean, if, if the only situation in this case is that you're not able to have any children yes. and your husband is yes. infertile, yes. It, I feel like there wouldn't be that many cases, cases right? Cases, yeah, right. But I mean, I mean, I guess when you consider the population of China, maybe it's maybe we just underestimate the amount of people who can't conceive, or, or, or who men that men, you know. But if they're willing to sell, because I mean, selling organ, the whole black market for. Mm organs is you know it's asia is known yeah. for this crazy business but um mm. you wouldn't think it would be too difficult to convince people to give away their sperm i mean if they're willing to sell a kidney for a certain amount of money then why i mean it's so much less riskier yeah maybe they just think like oh we need to offer something you know we need to kind of make we need to convince people like or it's a publicity stunt. Yeah. But again, how much sperm do they need? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because we we're not thinking like men. Like, if I needed cash, uh, the, obviously the first thing I'm not going to think of is sperm bank. Not for myself, but do but men? I wonder people... if men think like that. Like, I don't think they do. I'm just thinking of Peep Show right now. <laughs> you, I mean, you, I know you'd get the reference. So. Yep, love that show. That's yep. a good that's a good one. People sell their blood and everything, so. Mm. But I feel like people are more hesitant in, at least, I can only speak on behalf of Americans, but I feel like people are more likely to donate sperm in China just because I don't think they're as concerned with the ethics of it as yeah. in the States. I think in the States there'd be more, you know, people would think about 
actually what's going to happen to that sperm? Am oh, I going to yeah, have definitely. just all these like illegitimate children floating around <laughs> that I don't know about? And mm-hmm. like, am I going to want to find them in the future yeah. and connect with them later? I mean, it's mm-hmm. hard to know those things, especially when you're young. Yeah, definitely. If you're trading sperm for an iPhone, you're obviously not mature. <laughs> I wonder what the age limit is. It doesn't Probably. say. I mean, the article doesn't say. Maybe maybe under we can 30, find out more information. Maybe. Yeah, what, over 18 probably, under 30. I wonder if they get paid more for being taller. <laughs> I'll bet you they would. Yeah. But actually, I don't know how it works in the sperm bank in the States, too, if they pay people who are, like, more physically fit or more attractive or have higher education. Mm. I don't actually know. I, I've never looked into <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but it's an interesting topic. It is an interesting. Wow, that that shocked me. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't uh, expecting <laughs> you to. <laughs> yeah. To do that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of interesting jobs. <laughs> yeah. Ways to earn money. Mm. <laughs> so, um, so think we we're, we're gonna do things a little differently this week. Mm. Um, while Nara was away, we got quite a few questions. Um, but actually, coincidentally, they all seem to be along the same train of thought, I guess. Which is good, actually. I realize, like, oh, why, do pe- why are people asking this same question? But actually, it makes me feel positive that our podcast is convincing people to come to China. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's, my, that's my logic. Anyway. Nice one. So we've got three questions this week. Um, one is a little bit different, um, but... You'll see, anyway. So our first question comes from Mark, um, and he left us a a voicemail message, so take it away, Mark. Hi, Holly and Nora. Thanks for considering my question about entrepreneurship in Shenzhen. Look forward to hearing it. Okay, so that's our first question. So next we've got another voicemail. This comes from Daniel Tibbing. Um, yeah, so let's listen to Daniel's question. Hey girls, I'm Daniel from Sweden. First off, um, love your show. Very good. Keep it up, girls. Uh, so my question for today is, how do I go about finding a job in China? Because I, I know you've been talking a bit about English teaching, but my master's is in computer science and therefore I'm looking to, to find something closer to my degree uh, so how do I do it do I have to find a position in Sweden and then hope to get transferred or should I just get over and hope for the best uh, and second question would be probably how do I get a working visa what are the rules for a working visa we're getting some good yeah, topics here. Definitely, definitely. So you can see, like, the theme is kind of similar. Uh, so here's our last question. And uh, this is from Kathy, and she left us uh, a question in Facebook, yeah, on our Two White Chicks Facebook page. So she says, Hi, girls. I can't quite figure out how to message you via WeChat. <laughs> Maybe we should leave a note about that. So I thought I'd give uh, give this a try. I lived in China for about three years and during my third year there, I was able to bring my fiance, who eventually became my husband, with me. He taught mathematics in the same school along with me 
and then came back to the States to live life. I now find myself wanting to return to China to teach since I absolutely loved it. That's nice to hear. But my husband wants to do something different since he majored in mathematics and not education. My question to you is, what are other possible job options in China other than teaching? I have listened to several of your podcasts and I see why teaching would be the easiest and quickest way to get to China and start making some money. But what else is there besides that? What do you ladies do now? While living in uh, Zhengzhou, that's where she was uh, for three years, I didn't have the opportunity to really network and see what else China had to offer other than a teaching position. I really want to go back, but I also don't want to limit my husband. Give me some advice here, ladies. <laughs> By the way, I absolutely love your show and can't wait to listen to the next episode, Kathy. Yes. That's a really nice, first a great question and a I like how much detail she gave us and yeah, lots of information. Really that, that was really nice, I yeah. think. Yeah. So, so in essence, I guess we've got two big questions. The first one is how, oh, yeah, how can you get an, a, a job different from teaching mm-hmm. in China? And also, is it possible to be a successful entrepreneur in China? Mm-hmm. Now, Mark specifically asks for Americans, but I think we can maybe be more general. That. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Cool. Well, I'll speak as the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, <clears throat> first of all, there are a lot of other jobs that you can do in China um, besides teaching. Yeah. We just usually discuss teaching because it's the easiest entry point into China, and it kind of gives you time to absorb the language and culture with having a steady and um, relatively familiar. Um, job. Yeah. So even if you haven't done teaching before, it's a really great. Like I never had done it before. Had you, Holly? Had yeah, you taught yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So <clears throat> people like me who had never taught before, it was actually not too big of a deal mm-hmm. to kind of jump right in and and start teaching English. So it's it's kind of an easy way to ease yourself into China. But it's not the only way, and there are actually a couple crazy jobs you can get as a <laughs> foreigner. Really? Oh, I'm interested to hear this. Yeah. So, have you heard of the rent a foreigner? Oh yeah. Site? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah, that is a peculiar occupation. So this isn't something that's steady, but it's certainly interesting, and also gives you an opportunity to network. Um, you can be you can be basically rented by your face. So I don't know exactly how it works, but Chinese companies are willing to rent white people to attend meetings, to shake hands, and usually give out a speech which is written by them, and to uh, basically just give the company an aura of international um, presence. So yeah. and they're pretty high-paying gigs. Already. Yeah, and they send you all over China. Cool. Do you remember? It was it was ages ago now, maybe one of the first podcasts we ever did, where um, there was a video I found, and it was about foreigners that had been rented to <laughs> to sell apartments in like a ghost town. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's probably something along the same lines. Mm-hmm. So there are those kind of crazy <laughs> jobs. Yeah, like that. Have you heard of any other um, kind of outlandish foreigner? Jobs in China? Um, outlandish. Uh, 
No, I don't know. I mean, you can do stuff that's a bit more tame than that, just like going to, because a lot of the com companies would like you to stand at their booth at like an expo. Yeah. So you True. wouldn't necessarily need to give a speech, mm -hmm. but you could you could hang out at an expo and show yeah. show in international presence, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> this isn't particularly outlandish, but I, I've been amazed at how e I want to say easy it seems to be to do like modeling or mm. be in TV. some kind of TV here. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even me, like who who the <laughs> on a TV or a commercial or anything. But I've been like She's people humble. have people have like asked me or I'm like it's not me, it's not my cup of tea. But thank you, um, it's quite flattering. Mm -hmm. um, That's true. Modeling is pretty. I mean, you get stopped on the street sometimes yeah. for that. Yeah. Or especially if you're in like a bar area, there are like agents that maybe they're there on purpose or maybe they're just relaxing themselves. But I've been like accosted by, <laughs> accosted <laughs> by a few kind of like agents mm -hmm. while having some drinks. Indeed. Um, I mean, although there are lots of people who I guess maybe come here to be models, there are lots of... You think there are a lot of them? I guess Russians. Well, Russians, that's where I was going with this. Mm -hmm. Um Mm -hmm. they're, they're doing some model <laughs> I'm kind of laughing to myself because I, I'm wondering if model modeling is like some kind of it's not really modeling I don't want to go down that road though because maybe I'm stereotyping there is a night scene for sure <laughs> among the Russian community but anyway um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's that's just the tip of the iceberg though I feel like and I'm not going to suggest that Kathy's husband would go down that road <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, those jobs are kind of, they're not that easy. I mean, it's easy to come by, but I would say it's not that easy to make a steady oh, no. living off of doing something no, like that. I agree. As, yeah, musicians too. I know yeah, yeah, people, a lot of people who are musicians here or have been musicians. If you, uh, the, the problem is, is that the contracts are very short. And um, I mean, I, I know a lot of people who've done, who've, you know, had a really good salary and they often live in the hotels, they get food and everything included. Mm. Um, but the, yeah, the contracts are very short and if you want to stay in China, it's not really ideal because yeah. you tend to have to move around with an agency maybe to some other country. Mm -hmm. um, but they can't, if you are a musician, you can potentially get quite high paying gigs. Yes, yes. Like Akia in the at the Langham. Yeah. She's living in a five-star yeah, hotel. And that hotel is so nice. I've never seen a room, but so it's nice. so nice. It's so like art deco kind of cool, like 1920s style. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's got it pretty sweet. Yeah. But she got her contract from the Bahamas. Mm. They sent her to China. She didn't come to China and get it here. Yeah, which I, which I think is quite common. Like if you, if you get like a contract, like a solid contract, they're usually outside like external agencies. But I do know people who have agents within China. A friend of mine, she's not here now, she went back home. Um, she had a, an agent, a Chinese agent here, but her gigs were like few and far between. She would do, I mean, she w might do like one a week or maybe she would do several and she might get paid very well for one day, but you know, there were, there were times when there was nothing going on. Or, right. And it seemed very stressful as well. She would often travel like two and three hours to do a gig oh, okay. and expected to be up really early. I mean, if you want to do it, you could probably do it. Just, I guess it depends on what kind of person you Sounds are. Sounds more like something that would be good for supplementing. And yes. 
income. But if you have, I guess, if you have a family, that's not really going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I guess in terms of finding a job, it really very first of all, uh, if you don't want to do teaching and you don't speak Chinese, then you are limited, I believe, as to where you live. Yes. I would stick to Shanghai. Yeah. Is Shanghai would probably be number one. That's going to be your best chance of finding something. I mean, Shanghai just has had more of a presence of、uh, foreigners who own businesses、yeah. for longer than any other city. I think it's just known for for being quite international. So Shanghai, and also the salaries are very competitive, even when you're comparing them to the U.S. or the U.K. Yeah. So Shanghai is a place to look at. Um, when you're considering working in China outside yeah, of teaching,、agree. and actually you can check out if you're interested. There's a couple websites.、Um, they're like chain websites. So there's ShanghaiStuff.com. That's all one word. ShanghaiStuff.com,、mm-hmm. and it has classified ads and has stuff like apartments, and it's all in English, obviously. And then also,、um, usually each City will have kind of its own different classified sites. So in Shenzhen, we also have ShenzhenStuff.com,、yeah. but we also have ShenzhenParty.com, which has a listing of a lot of jobs that are available. And there's usually about forty to fifty different jobs posted、mm-hmm. each day. A lot of them are teaching, but you should have a look to see kind of what's available. But don't don't stop there. I mean, just、yeah. kind of get a feel for what's available there. And that's actually how I found. So, there were, I think it was Kathy who was asking us what we're doing. Yeah, she does. She so she we does both started in China as teachers,、yeah. and、um, for me, I just I enjoyed doing it, but it really wasn't what I wanted to do.、Mm. So after a year, I signed a new contract, but I really wasn't happy with the. You know, the start of the second year wasn't going as I had planned, and I just wasn't happy with what I was doing, and so I quit. And then I was kind of in this like desperation mode. And they say like necessity is the mother of invention, and it's so true. So basically, what happened was I quit the job, and then I'm like having a nervous breakdown, basically. <laughs> Not really, but you know, I'm I'm in China. I don't have a big network. I was in a new city. Didn't really speak Chinese that well.、Um, I didn't have any experience in the states because I basically came directly to China、mm-hmm. after working, you know, after graduating from university. But I didn't want to do teaching anymore. And so what I did was I got on as many websites as I could, and I just I went on tons of interviews.、Mm. To be honest, the majority of them were a waste of time. Yeah, they were. But I just kept going on a bunch of interviews, and I found several companies. One of which was this one,、mm-hmm. and I started working for them part time because I didn't want to throw all my eggs into one basket. Yeah, which was tricky. But I told them, you know, like I want a probationary period where I'm working half.、Yeah. You know, I don't care. I wasn't even that interested in bargaining with them initially for the salary because I figured. If I prove my worth to them, that'll be easier for me to bargain at a later date,、mm. which ended up being a smart move.、Yeah. So Holly and I both now, because of because of that search, <laughs> that quest, I found a small startup 
here in Shenzhen that makes mobile apps um, for iOS and Android as well as some web-based applications. The company is called Gigabud, and it's located. It's based out of Hong Kong, but it's um, the major one of the major branches is here in Shenzhen. And we that's why we are able to do this podcast actually because yeah. they we make we make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the dictionary app and some other apps for learning Chinese, as well as a bunch of other apps. So I started with that company part time, and initially I was just doing English editing. So don't. Here's the other advice that I give you: is don't be turned off by the job title initially, and don't be turned off by the salary. I think you can. At least this is my philosophy. This is my philosophy with people and with work and with a lot of. You know, with hobbies and all aspects, I kind of just like dip my toe into、yeah. like everything, and you test the water. And if something seems, you use your intuition. If if it seems like a good fit,、mm. then you go for it, even if it's not the necessarily the job title that you want to be doing. If you can see that you can potentially work with those people and kind of weasel your way in <laughs> to a different position. Yeah, yeah. And you know, higher salary. If you think you can add value, and you're going to be, you know, learning and,、um, you know, basically adding to your resume and your career and doing something that you like, then it's definitely worth it to kind of ignore the salary. And I mean, when you can, obviously, when you、yeah. can, when you have that freedom. And slowly, I started working more and more for this company, and now work full time. And Holly came to join us a year ago. Yeah, bit, bit over、yeah. a year ago. Yeah, that's right.、Mm-hmm. We should have had a work anniversary. <laughs> yeah, everyone, no one was here. No. <laughs> so I guess actually that leads onto a point of mine because I can bring in how I got this job, and I think it's like one of the big ways to find out about jobs is through connections.、Mm-hmm. So I know like. For Kathy and her husband, I guess for them both to have jobs before they come out here would be ideal. But you meet so many interesting people, and there are so many—I mean, there are so many networking events and so many situations where you can meet people in all areas of, you know, of, of work, basically.、Mm-hmm. And actually, so Kathy says in her message. Um, I didn't really have the opportunity to network and see what else China had to offer other than a teaching position. I was exactly like that when I was teaching. The only people, like I guess, apart from yourself, everyone else was teaching. I didn't know anyone other than that, apart、mm-hmm. from maybe like boyfriends and girlfriends of other people. Like it, they were just all teachers.、Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't really like until I I joined Gigabud that I actually started to meet other people and like it was as though. I don't know. I could see everything clearly again. <laughs> I, I'd been in my little teaching bubble, and then I realized, whoa, there's so much more out here, and I didn't even realize. It's kind of its own little world, the whole teaching thing, because、Definitely. there are different levels of teaching, different types of teaching.、Yeah. There's there's a lot of tricks you can learn to make a lot of money from people、Definitely. and do very little effort. So if teaching is for you, then I would definitely go for it in China because it's a great. Opportunity, yeah, but if it's not for you, then you want to try to pull yourself out of it when you can. Yeah, and there are a lot of, especially this is why you, I don't recommend going to any second tier cities and trying to do this. Oh no, no, absolutely not. At least not from the beginning, because it's going to be so much harder. But in the first tier cities, you're going to have 
um, a lot of networking opportunities. You have help from your, like, for example, the American Chamber of Commerce. You have you have people who will help you there. Mm-hmm. Cool. And it, I mean, this is kind of, it's a difficult question to answer because a lot of it has to do with how motivated are you? Yeah, yeah. How brave are you? Because some people just can't handle rejection and, and you have to be a little bit thick skinned to do this kind of thing in a foreign country. Yeah. And you have to know when to say no. So it's, it's, it's not for everyone, but those who seek will find. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, one of my big point, points that I'd noted down was to make sure you're in, you're in a big city. Mm-hmm. So, and also any of the, um, any like networking events will also be on those sites that Nora mentioned earlier on. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll get, because they're well, they're well advertised. They are. And just, you just get organized. So when you're there, you ask people, are there other networking events that you mm-hmm. attend? You know, you just, you just need that one, that first seed. And then yeah. you just use that to continue to grow your garden (laughs) snowball i think yeah there's so many people here you'd be surprised how many foreigners are doing really cool stuff Mm. yeah i think um for uh kathy's husband he he's uh he's he majored in maths mathematics i don't know what one does with a degree i don't know i mean i'm thinking there are lots of engineers here yep and like I, I know architects, it's not the same thing. But they're in that kind of field where you need to have more of like a mathematical kind of mind. I guess he's a good problem solver, mm-hmm. right? And this is a skill that is definitely lacking in China. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, they they'll admit it. They do not nurture critical thinking. Yeah. So. It's very, like, this is kind of what happened at this company here. You know, we have a lot of talented Mm. developers here, but they weren't really able to see some of the, or to solve some of the obvious issues with the applications. And so when I came in and started working with them, they were really impressed with Mm. with my problem-solving abilities. And so I was able to very quickly move from being, from editing these English documents into becoming a project manager. So I think given the, uh, the right opportunity that other companies are also eager for, for, because a lot of, you know, you waste a lot of time when you, when you can't find, you know, efficient solutions Mm. to to problems. So that critical thinking is a valuable skill. And if you were raised with Western education, then you likely have more of an advantage than, your typical Chinese employee does. Yeah, yeah, um, and that there are like lo- there are lots of like logistic companies and stuff. I've seen adverts for jobs like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe should we should we try and like move on to Mark's question about being an entrepreneur? Yeah, yeah I mean it's related. Um, if you obviously being an entrepreneur is risky financially because you have to put both feet in, yeah. Um, but there's quite a lot of opportunity. One thing you should, so I, I know several people, foreigners in China who have made a fortune yeah. here. I'm talking about don't have to work anymore yeah. <laughs> yeah. ever again. Um, but it takes a long time yeah. and you need a Chinese t- partner. Definitely. You absolutely cannot be successful in China 
without a Chinese partner. Yeah. yeah. And and also like it's I mean, someone that you can work with as well. Like mm-hmm. there's so many when when I and you were gonna talk about this, I kind of looked online about successful entrepreneurs and I have some people that I kind of want to mention. Okay. In a bit, but um, there was like this argument about: Is it even possible? Is it possible for foreigners to be successful in China? Um, Not on their own. No, exactly, I would say. Exactly. I would say, unless you're some kind of super genius who also speaks Chinese yeah. and are also um, Chinese people respond very well to authority. So mm-hmm. if you have a certain personality type, um, along the lines of a dictator. <laughs> then it's very possible and you're not selling to the Chinese market. Yeah. So if you are producing a product and then you're getting it outside of China, if you have all the if you have all the other pieces set into place, you have experience in logistics, you have experience in, you know, import export, yeah. you you have a distribution channel, etc. Yeah, sure, you can you can come and do it. But most people are not equipped with all of those skills. And even yeah. then, even then, most likely, if you don't have a partnership with your supplier, they'll cut you out. They'll find a way to cut you out. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think before, I think if you are, you're in any, like if you're serious about coming to China, then to, to, to do business, I think you need some kind of game plan. Like I've heard so many stories about foreigners trying to start companies and just not really having any idea of what it's going to be like and then all of a sudden like it's like oh my god is this like is this how it really is and they've learned from experience well here's, hard way, yeah well here's a huge difference between western and eastern mindset the westerner thinks like okay so in shenzhen there's thousands of factories so all i need to do is go from factory to factory mm-hmm. and find the right price and the right product but that's not how it works yeah. it I mean, the price that if you just walk into a warehouse and ask for a price and then walk right out, the price you're going to get is going to be extortionate no matter what. And if you go just on the price, you let's say for some reason you do end up finding a lower price, chances are at some point down the line, if you don't have a good relationship with that company, something is going to happen. Either they're going to switch materials on you so your product is made of a cheaper material or they're going to raise a price unexpectedly or they're going to not be able to deliver your order on time. And it's not as easy as just like going shopping from door to door. It's just not transparent at all. And that's the nature of Chinese business and that's why it takes time. So you can't come to China for a year and expect to come out a millionaire. No, No, you need, I would say you would need at least five years in China to become profitable, honestly. So, I mean, that would be my fair estimate. And I think it's even a low estimate because a lot of people are here, the the most, the successful people that I know were in China for at least eight years. Yeah. Before actually, like M- making the money. tipping point, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, so if you're not prepared to do that, I mean, there is a wealth of opportunity here. Yeah. There is. Yeah, you need to be in it for the long haul. Like you can't just, you know, give up if it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, 
I had a point. Now it's gone. Oh, sorry. No, no was problem. blabbering on no, there. No, 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 no problem. I think also when we're talking about entrepreneurs, we have to decide what exactly are you doing? Are you trying to sell to the Chinese people? Or are you trying to export your products abroad? Are you selling a physical good? Or are you trying to sell a service? I mean, there's a lot of questions to be raised. In terms of um, exporting from China abroad, I know that quite a lot of people are making good money on Amazon now mm. in China. So those Chinese people who have access, you know, they have a relationship already to these very cheap manufacturers. Yeah. It's an, somebody's uncle, you know, it's always somebody's <laughs> uncle. Yeah, everyone's religious. Mm -hmm. It's like my girlfriend's uncle. Um, they get the products and then they ship them over to the U.S. into these, um, it's called FBA, I believe, Fulfillment by district, no, fulfillment, I forget. Anyway, it's a program with Amazon where you can basically like send those products to an empty warehouse and mm -hmm. then Amazon will distribute them for you oh. once you sell them off. And a lot of people are making money doing that. Yeah. And that would be something that would require the least amount of involvement, I think. Mm. But it's still small, it's still small scale, I think. If you're picking up and moving to China and doing something like that, it's, maybe it's not worth your while. Yeah. I think something that I would definitely like consider is is a, like a niche market. Like, mm. So I've got some friends who've tried various different uh, export-import type, type things. And initially they were trying to import wine and cheese um, and they had so many, so many, it was just like one <sighs> thing after another. Everybody's drooling at the Chinese yeah. market saying, look at them. They have yeah. so much money now. They want to buy the most expensive wines. Let's sell wine to them. Yeah. <laughs> Reality is 80% of the wine drinkers in China, which is a small percentage of the population drink cheap domestic wines. Yeah, yeah true. And I'm not really sure what the, palette in China is for wine yet. Mm -mm. I don't really know if they've sussed wine out. Um, I mean, the majority of Chinese people I know drink Baijiu, so. Yeah. I mean, if you can, that's probably ruined everyone's palate and with the, all the bad, like the cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone's really enjoying wine or if they just like enjoy the idea of it. If anyway, you don't know what we're talking about, I think there's an article about Baijiu. There is, I can link to it on the episode 33. Yeah, that's the Chinese. Oh, oh, if you're going to be doing business in China, you got to get used to drinking. It's like stuff. pain stripper. <laughs> Actually, I don't mind it, just to digress a little bit. Really? Yeah, really. I... It's not the thing, like, it's not the, a drink I would, like, choose to drink. But when I've had it, I'm like, this is not too bad. Oh, even the thought of it makes me shudder. I've never had, like, a bad night on it where I've woken up, you know, no. uh, bewildered. But the mm. smell and the taste, oh, it gives me the shivers. <laughs> Maybe it's like, uh, I mean, I, I don't know really what the difference is between cheap by and the expensive stuff. Maybe you've only had the expensive stuff. Oh, yeah. Classy lady. Yeah. yeah, that might be it. <laughs> um, yeah, so as I was saying, I think uh, it depends greatly on the, the the area. Like if you can get into like a niche market like mm -hmm. that no one else has ventured into, then maybe you could be more, like, more successful. So did those people eventually find a niche 
they're they're now exporting furniture and i don't know how well hmm yeah i if i were to start all over again i would definitely look more into either doing a service in china or importing into china Mm -hmm. exporting is uh first of all it's a well-laden path Mm -hmm. i mean it's you're going to be competing with people who have do, been doing it for years. So yeah. if you're a newbie, it's going to be it's not going to be a, a walk in the park. No. Yeah. So uh, I I actually found some some foreigners entrepreneurs who have been extremely successful in China. Oh, nice. So I was thought maybe I could tell you some of them. Uh, not all of these are not all of these people are American, but they're from all over the world. So. Um, first, there's a guy called Mark Kito. You may have heard of him. He basically is the, one of the founders of That's Magazine. Oh, yeah. So That's Beijing was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually recently left China, but that's a, another story. Um, so basically, he started as a metal trader, hmm. some kind of, I guess, export import thing. And then he 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 made so much money. He was able to sink this money into that's Beijing. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, another guy is I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. How would you pronounce this surname? <laughs> Mark Vanderchee. Cheese. 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 C H I J S. Yeah, I'm not really sure how to Cheese. pronounce his name. Oh yeah, he's the Tudo guy. Tudo guy. Yeah. So he's a co-founder of Tudo. Um, who had a Chinese partner, Gary Wang. Right. So that's going to, I mean, there's a, a good example. But I seem to think that he was teaching English. Really? I, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. Mm. I feel like, because I've heard him, I've listened to him uh, interview on some podcasts. Oh, really? And stuff. Nice. And I, I'm not 100% sure, maybe mm-hmm. I, I didn't see this list before you brought it out yeah. so please don't quote me but i have a feeling he's one because there are quite a few people who do come to china and then after some time when they've got the lay of the land they go on to use the degrees that they earn at university oh, yeah, or yeah, just yeah. follow their interests like that's Definitely. that's the beauty of china is we, i don't want to dissuade you guys but basically like there are so many opportunities here that you can follow any potential career path like it's yeah. there's so many opportunities yeah absolutely sorry to interrupt no no it's fine it's fine so uh the next so a lot of these people i mean these guys are from totally different walks of life and most of them have uh, ventured into different career paths so maybe this could like give you some kind of ideas uh so this uh this guy is called carl setzer and he's the founder and brewmaster of greatly brewing so basically he made the first craft beer a uh, brewery Mm-hmm. In Beijing, kind of cool. Cool. But he also had a Chinese partner, yeah. um, Mark Roswell, who is I. I'm sure I've come across this guy before, and he's known as China's most famous foreigner. He's basically a performer and speaker of excellent Mandarin Chinese. Oh, is that is that Dami or whatever? Da Shan. Oh, big yeah, big mountain. Big mountain, yeah. yeah and Dashan. he, it, it's he's basically known for this cross this crosstalk thing. Which is a traditional form of Chinese comedy. I think I've watched a video of him. His fame, though, (laughs) he was lucky with the timing because Dashan was one of the first foreigners to really master 
Chinese. Chinese well, right. I mean, I'm sure that there were ones before him, but while there were social media mm -hmm. and a way to spread his fame like wildfire over right. the internet. So he, it's true. Once you, if you can, if you can master speaking Chinese, actually a world of opportunities does open up to you because yeah. you'll have options. I mean, my Chinese is okay. And I have CCTV four after me to like follow. They want to like follow me around and film my life for six days and then like make a program about my life in China. And you laughed at me when I said agents have accosted me. That's accosting right there. Yeah. yeah so what? Yeah, the Chinese definitely helps. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So this guy, yeah, this guy is like super famous in China. Everyone yeah. loves him. Uh, so the next guy is Dan Harris, who's the founder of the China Law Blog. Oh. I haven't come across this. I haven't either, but, but I would like to see yeah. it. But so basically he created his own niche uh, as the go-to expert on Chinese law. Hmm. And basically he interprets Chinese law for foreign entrepreneurs. Wow. Pretty, pretty good, pretty handy. That is handy and not easy. No. So uh, another guy, this, I mean, this guy, Carl Crow, uh, moved to Shanghai in 1911. And what? he took up work as a newspaper editor. So that's kind of cool. Like even you know back in the day, this guy was a, became an entrepreneur. Wow! And he wrote um, 400 million customers. I'm not sure what that is. I've seen that book. Have you? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read it, but I've seen that book. Mm. 400 million. That's a drop in the bucket now. <laughs> With yeah. the country nowadays. Yeah. True. Uh, so this 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 lady actually really interests me. Actually, she's the only female on this list. She's called uh, Lexi Comstock, and she's the founder of Strictly Cookies Nom Nom Dessert Bar. Nom Nom. I don't think we have this in Shenzhen. I'm surprised it hasn't made it here. Because so. there are so many sh uh, cookie dessert places here now. Not mm -hmm. cookies, dessert. Yeah. Dessert. And she basically graduated from Harvard and arrived in Shanghai and realized that no one was making like Western style cookies and baked goods, and she just opened this company mm-hmm yeah I've heard uh I've know I know a couple of foreigners who own like bread shops or cake shops who make western because I mean the Chinese people eat a lot of bread and cake but yeah. it's very different from Definitely. western style oh yes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but again you need to be somewhere that has a large enough western population to you can't yeah. you can't rely on the Chinese population initially to to know even what it is that you're selling yeah um, okay, next guy, Archie Hamilton, who's the founder of Splitworks, and this he basically promotes concerts and um, is a, has a big influence in Chinese music scene. Kind of cool. uh, and he's this is the last one, Andrew Ballen, who's the founder of AVD Digital Media. Uh, this guy speaks awesome Chinese, mm -hmm. apparently. So that's I guess that's probably helped him. But he's a TV host. Oh, he does yeah. radio concerts. He's a club promoter. Um, and he also has something to do with hip-hop music promotion, too. Cool. So, yeah, those guys have obviously done quite well. So it can it's obviously possible. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's probably, you know, these these people have probably had their own, like, um, game, like plans. You know, they've got had ideas. Maybe some have, maybe some haven't. Like, I'm mm. sure that the cookie one, yeah, I, I don't think Yeah, it seems like that, that was just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm. if you obviously she has probably above average head on her shoulders considering she she's a Harvard, Harvard grad, but yep. still, I mean, 
I've seen this happen multiple times, but a lot of the time it's true. You you, you see it when it's a foreigner who's married to a Chinese mm. woman. Yeah. Then their businesses take off because finally they really have a true. Because you know, finding a Chinese partner is easier said than done. Absolutely. Somebody that you can actually trust. Yeah. It just it takes a long time and. Foreigners think they can just come in and after, you know, six months they have this great network, mm. but it takes a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, once you find a good one, then it's like for life. It's like it's those birds who made for life. <laughs> but um, it's not easy to do that. And so that's probably the biggest hurdle when starting a business. Yeah. But there are, I mean, you could potentially also just like hang out in China and be, do online business and the the cost of living here isn't as high as yeah. in the west so another option is just to be completely productless and just uh you know internet marketing yeah. but keep in mind that the internet here is it's um filtered and it's yes. also slow to access sites which are from servers outside of china yeah so i have a little like advantages and disadvantages of, of doing business of doing business okay. and being an entrepreneur cool. in China. Sounds good. So the advantages that I see, the most obvious ones, are that there's a lot of money here. Yeah. And it's not showing any signs of stopping. Everybody keeps freaking about the China market, but come here and see and tell me if you think this place is <laughs> going through a you know, repression or mm. anything like that. Uh, do, do you think it's I'm, this isn't really my area of expert, uh, expertise. I'm wondering if there's a lot of like people still willing to invest. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if it depends on because I, I feel as though they are, but I'm not really. I wouldn't say it. yeah for sure. Yeah, and it's because of that same critical thinking. You know, Chinese people in general are pack oriented, so they're less likely. Although that's changing but they're less likely to want to create their own business and rely completely on them. They're just they they like to have a hierarchical structure with mm. support system. So, being an entrepreneur is kind of a scary thing for Chinese. Yeah. So, some investors are kind of easy to win over when you are confident and you have an idea that sounds viable. It's actually not that difficult to get funding. And we're talking about huge funding. Yeah. But that brings me along to the disadvantage. That money, it's not like Silicon Valley where you can, you know, you get $3 million and you just have to hit a couple of checkpoints. Mm. But in China, those investors are going to be involved with every move that you do. So be prepared Mm. and you're going to have to change your game plan to keep your investors satisfied. So it's not it's easy to get it's easier to get the money i think but yeah. then it's more difficult to continue funding it yeah can i can i step in just for a second sure i i hope it's not one of your points at all that's okay just disrupt your flow um don't if you're a, like if you're a foreigner coming to uh start a business in china don't think that you're going to be able to force western like values or a mindset on these workers it's probably going to be quite difficult for you to maybe to work and communicate with Chinese China, a Chinese team at first. I'm sure if mm-hmm. you're if you're really committed you can do it. But one of the things that I've I've heard people talk about is how like the communication barrier and and also just how Chinese people think. It's not the same as Western Western people that so 
you're probably going to come across those kind of those kind of issues. So mm-hmm. don't don't think you're going to come come and be able to just be like, I want this done this way. They're going to be like, what? Like why? Or so, you know, mm-hmm. that, yeah, just that. Or they'll just say yes and to vice you, versa. and then it's not going to happen, and you're going to wonder why. Or you're going to have a contract, and then you're going to wonder why. How come the contract has changed suddenly? Because contracts are very loose here in China. They don't really mean (laughs) much. (laughs) They're very fluid. Um, Another advantage of doing business in China is that Chinese are freaking early adapters. I see grandmas using WeChat and like (laughs) all those social networks. (laughs) You know, like they adapt so quickly to new technology. When I go home, this is crazy to me because when I first came to China, I felt like they were behind the times. And now when I go back to the States, I feel like we're behind the times. So rapidly has the whole landscape changed. And that's brilliant because they're willing to to buy, like to try out new New things. things. Whereas some West, like Westerners are a a bit more stuck in their ways. Mm. So that's definitely an advantage. Um, another is that it's pretty easy to custom make any product with any kind of components. You know, if you're yeah. if you have a warehouse in the states and you want to produce something, you're limited to to the supply of parts. But in China, it's like pretty much everything is yeah. made there, so you can custom build a product, especially electronics if you're in Shenzhen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good place to be. <laughs> it's amazing. You can custom build a supercomputer. It's crazy. And then, um, as I mentioned before, because Chinese people are more pack oriented and are less, they're less um, willing to like stand out from a crowd. They want to be part of. They want to be part of a strong organi- organization rather than being independent and like sticking out from the crowd. Yeah. So an advantage, our advantage is that when you are perceived as this confident individual, it's very easy to become a leader mm. in China because people will want to follow you. Yeah. So you don't have these, you know, a lot of times in if you have a Western partner, you're kind of butting heads because you have your ideas, they have their own ideas, and you maybe sometimes your ideas differ. But in China, a lot of times they'll just listen to you. They'll just trust that you know best because you exude more confidence. So that you can use mm-hmm. that to your advantage in a lot of situations. Yeah, I agree. And some of the obvious disadvantages are that it costs money to build relationships. Um, you can't just expect to meet somebody, you know, at their office, shake hands and be friends. You have to invest time and money. You need to take them to dinner. Definitely. You need to go to KTV or karaoke. Yeah with them it takes it takes time you need to travel to their home you need to it it's time and money yeah yeah i i don't know if this is i maybe it's something we've meant we've talked about here or maybe an article i've read about basically the the only business that ever gets done is is over food is over dinner mm-hmm. dinner and baijiu so mm-hmm. prepare yourself yeah be prepared yeah and then again i just want to reiterate the internet so keep that in mind if you need to do a lot of research you're going to be quite frustrated with your like I was today. Yeah, I was also <gasps> today. We, I mean, when we've got a whole setup here, which helps us to avoid the filtering, but um, it <laughs> it breaks it sometimes. Breaks. It's let's, not let's fail be proof. diplomatic. Yeah, it's not fail proof. And then uh, visa. 
So obviously you need a visa to be in China and the maximum visa uh, you can, a I mean, you can now for Americans, it's pretty sweet because you can get a 10 year multiple entry tourist visa. Yeah. But eventually I think you're going to have to apply for a business or some mm. other kind of a residence status if you're staying for longer. Yeah. So if you're on your own, you need to set up a company and then you need to go through a pretty, mm, it's harrowing, I think, the process to get your license to um, issue your employees, including yourself, a working visa. Yeah, I don't think it's easy. It's difficult. Not people that we, not do that we it. want to put you off, but I yeah. think it's not, it's not the simplest thing to do. Our colleague has his yeah. through his own, but he's also married to a Chinese woman, mm, helps. which helps a lot. Um, and then finally, the last large dis disadvantage is that the e-commerce is completely a monopoly. I mean, let's say oligopoly. <laughs> Uh, here because it's like three or four large organizations which own pretty much all of the e-commerce here so you got alibaba oh, yeah. taobao and then now we've got 10 cents with wechat yeah. and wechat payments they do stuff. think they're going to take over the world those yeah guys. They, they do although they backed out of for a while they were going hard into the west and now no, they've kind yeah, of they've, backed they've off pulled a bit, back, so yeah. we'll see anyway um so keep those things in mind mm. But where there's a will, there's a way. I firmly believe that. I I didn't think about this before we started the podcast, but while we were talking, I've just remembered some books that I I actually haven't read, but I've been <laughs> recommended to read about business and stuff, specifically in China. So I can't remember the names. We'll put so a list maybe I can for you guys, because I have some too that yeah. I've also, some of which I have read and some of them I haven't gotten to yet. But they seem to be really good resources for for yeah. this exactly this topic, both entrepreneurial efforts in China as well as finding jobs that are outside of just you know business in China in yeah. general. Yeah, any, and any resources that we've got that might help. Mm -hmm. Sure, we'll mm -hmm. stick them on there. But for sure, I wouldn't be scared to come to China um, before finding a job. Mm. I think. A lot, like Holly said, it's a good point. A lot is done with networking here, and you can't network unless you're here. Yeah. So reach out to the people who you know that might be doing business or have contacts in China. And even if you don't come, and again, teaching is the easiest thing, or if you have enough saved, you can just take a month off and just live in a hotel or cheap hostel or however you want to swing it and just yeah. take your time and kind of feel out the landscape. Mm. And as a side note, I mean, I guess if this is specifically towards Kathy and her husband, I, I don't know if there are any children, I, I don't think. Well, maybe there are. Anyway, um, I mean, probably if she could get a, de like a, a job before or even when they get here, they could probably she could probably support both of them for a short time. Oh, yeah. On a salary, a teaching salary. Yeah. So that's also a thought for, in there for their situation. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, he wouldn't necessarily need to rush to find work. Yeah, and for him, I think it would be a good idea to come out and kind of suss out, suss things out. Mm -hmm. But again, mm -hmm. come to the large cities: Shanghai, Shenzhen, Definitely. Beijing. Shanghai has a the I guess the largest like reputation yeah. for this kind of stuff. But Shenzhen, I mean, we're talking about massive amounts of potential in yeah. Shenzhen and Beijing and Tianjin and a lot of a lot of the you know the, the top level 
cities. Yeah. And good opportunities. You know, of course, we, we're all for Shenzhen, so... Yeah, we're all come for come and join us. <laughs> it's pretty sweet because I mean, if you can't find something in Shenzhen, you can always look in Hong Kong or Guangzhou. In mm. Hong Kong, I mean, it's competitive for sure, but Shanghai is also competitive. That's that's the other disadvantage because Shanghai draws the most amount of foreigners. It's also the most competitive for foreigners, whereas mm-hmm. Shenzhen isn't quite as. Um, it's just not as well known, mm. so the talent pool isn't quite there yet. So there's still a lot of ways to. To wheedle your way in yeah and i feel as though like now seems like the point where actually a lot of companies are employing uh foreigners like because mm-hmm. they kind of realize oh wait we we're, every, everyone else has one <laughs> <laughs> we need one as well so actually i know it kind of sounds like you you've done a degree and you want to see like you want a serious job and you you kind of maybe i'm being like flippant but Actually, like like Nora says, sometimes you can get in into a company, and you've got a, a crappy job title, but in some way you can either gain experience or climb your way up, mm-hmm. even if you're just there as like the token foreigner. Yeah. Like I know it sounds really negative, but it it, it works for a lot of people, and it has done. Mm-hmm. And it and right now seems to be the time where there are lots of those kind of jobs. So. Agreed. Yeah. But also, a lot of jobs where, um, like, uh, they're they're not well paid, but they're kind of entry level jobs. Mm-hmm. Just as a, another point there, it's like it's now we get to the end of the podcast, and I remember everything. <laughs> That's typical. And I'm gonna walk out of this room and be like, "Damn, why did I say that?" Well, I'm sure that I mean, I I guess like pretty much everything that we're saying is just creating a whole bunch more questions for probably, people out there because there's no way we can cover this whole topic in an hour. Yeah. So uh, please, if you're interested in a particular um, branch of what we've been mm-hmm. talking about, if you're interested in the visa process, if you're interested in um, more about, uh, I don't know, any of the branches that you could think <laughs> of. I'm looking at my notes here, but you're none like, of them are giving me All I can hints. see are dollars. <laughs> like, what did I say? <laughs> Anyway, you guys have been listening, and if you find that you have more questions now than before, that's great. I have. That's great. Send us, send our, send us your questions, and we'll tackle them one by one and spend a little more detail. Or three by three. Or three by three. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to leave us a voicemail message, you can go to writtenchinese.com/voicemail, uh, like Mark and Daniel did, or you can do what Kathy did and just leave us a question. Especially if they're as nice as Kathy's, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just leave us a nice question. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you can drop us a comment on drop us a comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not drop us a comment on any of our uh, two I chicks pages? Us, drop us. Whatever you know. You we'll know find it. We'll pick it up. Yeah, we'll pick it up for sure. <laughs> so your Chinese word of the day is entrepreneur. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So it literally means creative person. That seems so vague. Creative, creative business person. Okay. Creation. Wait, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how exactly I would translate it. Creation business person. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we can go with that. It's Chuang Ye Zhe. So Chuang Ye Zhe. That's fourth tone, fourth tone, third tone. Chuang Ye means. Um, 
like innovation, I guess I would say. Innovative person. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Inno- yeah, yeah, yeah. Innovation is a nice word. Yeah, that's because you take create, because basically, chuang is like, like creative, create or creativity, and ye is like industry. Mm. So you stick them together, and it's going to be something like innovation. Nice. Yeah, cool. so chuang ye zhe. So, if you're interested in becoming a chuang ye zhe in China, I'm sure you have a ton of more questions yeah. to send our way. We're waiting. Absolutely. So, the links to um the chinese word will be on on somewhere <laughs> slash episode 33 Ooh. as well as any of the links hopefully i'll remember everything we've talked about and plus any resources and mm-hmm. things that we've mentioned if we're missing anything just give us a shout and we'll yeah. find it for you and then we're gonna also give you some good books yes that uh will point you in the right direction Definitely. for business Definitely. in china so hopefully that'll be useful for you yeah and last, I'm going to mention once more that there's a coupon for free stuff. Yeah. Two white chicks, T-W-O, white chicks, all one word, everything all one word. And if you go to writtenchinese.com, Holly will put a link to how to redeem the coupon and you can get free dating words so you can harass your Chinese friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and think of it like this. If loads of you download the free... Uh, flashcards will be like oh okay we're gonna give you some more free flashcards that's right so we'll be just, watching you know, think about it think <laughs> about it who doesn't like a freebie i do it's true check it out if you want and um hopefully we'll see you next time yeah oh don't forget to go you can visit us on our facebook page two that's white right. that's right yeah writtenchinese.com slash episode 33 to see any of the notes on things we've mentioned all right <laughs> please come back next week <laughs> are we sounding really desperate now yeah a little bit end? I'm feeling a little bit like <laughs> please insane oh man I hope this has been useful and yeah. um, we'll look forward to receiving your questions for next week yeah bye, bye. everybody bye